Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Tap Talks HR podcast. Today, I'm talking to Dave Milner, known as the HR curator on social media and a HR consultant. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Anthony. Thanks very much. How are you? I'm great. Um, thanks for joining. So, Dave, um, you've recorded a podcast or two over the years with us around the future of work. But today you're here around the virtues of analytics in HR following the release of your new book, An Introduction to People Analytics. So uh, the first question, Dave, has got to be, so why a book on analytics now? Good question. And I sometimes ask myself that having the, had the pain of writing with my fellow writer, Nadine Khan, I think it was 90,000 words, which, you know, is a very painful process. But the, the, the rationale behind the book is that this is a book that is aimed at the HR practitioner. OK, uh, as we all know, there is lots of fantastic stuff out there about people analytics, workforce analytics, all the sexy graphs and visualizations and all that sort of stuff. And that's amazing. But I think, you know, we've scared a lot of HR people, when we're talking about data science, the algorithms, the correlations between different factors, the multivariant you know, analysis and all this sort of stuff. And, and so what we were trying to do is to write a book which is really aimed at the HR practitioner to help them understand that actually you're going to have to become more data driven in your approach. And here's how we think you can get there. And, and actually, along the way, we think that you'll actually be able to do quite a bit of this analytics stuff, you know, but also understanding that there is a boundary when you will need the help and expertise of somebody who is undoubtedly a statistician. But but the the underlying principle is we're trying to help HR to understand the benefits of being more data orientated. But I do not want a whole army of data geeks because that that's just not going to happen. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think the whole job description, if you look at like um, LinkedIn, Indeed and all that, like the number of different job roles that there are currently for data people in HR, it's, it's not surprising people get scared away from it, is it? Well, that that's right. And and so I think that's why we decided that we really wanted to to try and put this book across that would, um, you know, cover four themes, really, which is sort of the context for change. Um how you can make a shift to being more data orientated, um, what analytics can actually do for you with lots of case studies, and then look at the future in terms of, you know, how can you develop yourself individually? So we've got a whole chapter, which is a playbook, which is taking you from how can you change your objectives to being more data orientated through to helping to run a project, helping to get the story across and all that. Um, so we, we've tried to, to make this as simple as as we can. And I'm, we're not trying to underestimate the, the numerical expertise of HR people, but we're, we're trying to make sure that we're getting everybody in the function, really understanding why it's important, because, you know, all these great corporates are doing some amazing stuff. And I mean, Anthony, they're doing some amazing stuff. But actually, there are more HR practitioners who don't work in large corporates of 10,000 and above than there are who work, you know, in the rest of the organizations across the globe. And so that's where we're really focusing to to try and make it more accessible. 
And that's interesting because when we do our forums, um, I, and as you rightly say, I, I interact probably with more HR directors from smaller and medium-sized companies than, say, a FTSE 100. Uh, and um, quite often they they walk into these forums, they think, oh, that's great. The, like, the, the top 100 companies have got all this stuff that they did with some large HR consulting organization with lots of noughts after after the the value of the work that has happened but but actually where do i start so it sounds yeah. like that this book is very much around how do i transition for not really doing analytics into doing some would i be yeah. right in that yeah absolutely and and so th- that's why we you know we we've it's an analytics book, but actually I always think, I think of it, it's more than just an analytics book because we've had to talk about the future of work, the context for change, you know, and hey, we're going through all that, that stuff big time at the moment, aren't we? Um, you know, and we're, we're trying to make sure that people really understand why this is important and why it will make a difference to the way that they are perceived by business leaders. So we, you know, we've done about 750 hours worth of research in terms of interviews, focus groups, meetings, uh, paper reviews, you name it. So we, we've put a lot of effort into this to try and, you know, I guess make complex things more simple. And, and that doesn't underpin or under, underestimate the importance of the message, but it's trying to ensure that people understand that actually you're going to have to do this. Data is not going to go away, I'm afraid. So please get on board and hopefully the book, you know, will give them some tips along the way that will help them. That's, that's cool. So you, you mentioned that the book comes in like four kind of chunks, yeah. um, starting with the context for change. Do you want to just give us a flavor of the book, almost like a, yeah. an executive's executive summary <laughs> of, of the yeah, flow no, through no. the book? Sure. I, I mean, the, the, the context for change and, and as I, as I mentioned, you know, we, we're all going through the biggest change come work experiment that we've probably ever had. Um, and we, we sort of described the sort of the tsunami of disruptors, which, you know, before, um, 2020 arrived and, and the virus came. But, you know, in actual fact, when I look at it and I, I've looked at the, the chapter a couple of times, I've thought, thought, Actually, these things are still relevant because it's external challenges which are outside your control, relentless different business pressures. You know, the talent marketplace is changing. And again, we don't know whether and how it's going to change. We don't know what the contingent workforce is going to happen to them. Uh, Automation's a little bit on hold, but people will undoubtedly, you know, kickstart it again afterwards. So all of these sort of challenges and issues are still very much a part and parcel of it. And so we, we've sort of identified sort of eight key themes that have become very important, which range from digital transformations to the impact on workforce, employee experience, job redesign, all that stuff. And we've sort of summarized it into what we've called the three D's, which is data, design and digital. And we think that those are the three things which are really going to both drive the challenges for the HR function, but also drive the opportunities for the HR function to improve their perceived credibility with business leaders and also probably give them a bit of a focus in terms of where we think their capability should be developed. So so very briefly, data is obviously the main 
focus of the book, analytics and all that jazz. The, the design phase is really, and we've, we've covered this a little bit, is that HR spends a lot of time wanting to be strategic, but it really hasn't got a clue what that means. And, and HR is predominantly an operationally orientated function, but it undoubtedly has a strategic lens which it can look through. And we believe that that strategic lens is not about coming up with a plan. We think it's about helping to drive strategic initiatives, um, helping transformation and future proofing organizations in terms of making sure that they've got all the right sort of tools and practices in place. Um, you know, so I had all sorts of interviews with people, you know, and I was always, you know, gobsmacked when you know i was like so you know when did you design your competency framework oh we've had this for about five years and i'm like oh right okay and you're doing your succession planning based on that yes that's right and look look at our comprehensive system and i'm like yeah but i do you not realize that you're just developing leaders for 2015 you're not developing leaders for 2025 so why why don't you think about changing your Oh, wow. I've never thought of it like that. And what I'm saying is that's a strategic intervention that I think HR should be doing um, in that mode. And then obviously the digital, you know, technology, it, it, whether we like it or not, it's it's a huge enabler for HR, whether it's improving efficiency and effectiveness or whether, you know, you're going into slightly more advanced, you know, future type tech things, you know, with chatbots and blockchain and all that sexy stuff or whether you're just using a little specialist bit of kit you know which might be providing you know an analytical insight or something so so that's the sort of the backdrop for the first part and sort of drives our view that that the people function has really got to get its act together both strategically and um, I suppose commercially um, in terms of how it portrays what it does and it actually comes up with an answer to the question of, well, how do you demonstrate value to our business? Does that make sense? So that, that's the, the sort of the intro bit. Yeah, it does really. And I've been sitting here and jotting down some little thoughts and, and everything like that. And there's, uh, I mean, you mentioned that we're in the middle of a, a strange time in 2020. And I, was, <clears throat> I suppose to our listeners, if I tell you that it's May 2020 and we're looking at envy to the rest of Europe based here in the UK as everyone releasing their lockdown slowly and we're not. So we're sitting virtually from each other, myself and, and Dave at the moment. Um, but it is uh, interesting at this moment in time how all of a sudden, the, the, the work around engagement and trying to seek data from your people about how engaged they are, what their experience is, has almost completely turned off in the last two months. And and my thinking is that that's going to evolve very much around the world of data and analytics, actually, to be much more targeted. So rather than just sending out a huge blanket uh, to an organization saying, how happy do you feel at the moment? Uh, and we'll come back in 18 months time. I think just as the world is suffering from a lot of change, I think um, that's going to be maybe somewhere that do you think analytics is going to have an impact on? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I mean, if, if you just look at the crisis, everybody fixates itself on the data, you know, in terms of <laughs> the activity of hospitals and a number of PPE equipment. Everything is data. And so very quickly, everybody's become very focused on what the data is telling us. What's the evidence? What the government's doing a good job, doing a bad job, you know, whatever. Um, and, and I think 
if you look at this particular challenge, I, I think this is the, one of the big, big opportunities. You know, the way I look at it, I sort of reflected a little bit on the, the last global recession, you know, 2008. And, and the, the chief financial officer was probably the top gun because that person was driving the real cost and income and growth data and information that was driving the strategies. Today, you know, if we then looked at there could be a possible downturn, a possible, you know, self-imposed recession because of what's been happening, not just here, but a little bit, you know, abroad as well. I sort of step, get the feeling that actually this isn't just the CFO's baby this time around. It's actually the CHRO or the chief people officer or the HRD, whatever we want to call. I, I think that this is both of theirs because, you know, the whole thing has been based on health and safety, well-being. And so whether we whether it's just a, you know, the throwaway line of our people are our most important asset or not, um, it's undoubtedly going to have a huge impact upon what happens next. You know, how we take resourcing forward. What does the data tell us about how many of our workforce can work remotely? What's the percentage of their skills who are remotely? You know, there's a there's a whole host of questions that you could just sit down and write. And then underneath it, if you had the data, you'd say, wow, well, if we've got that and that, then maybe we can start to do this. And, and I think I think the whole data is the new currency of HR is a theme we try and push quite a bit, not because, you know, we want to scare the people to death. But what we want them to understand is it can really help you make better informed decisions because the days of making intuitive decisions still can happen. But I think if we've got evidence, then, you know, let's make sure that we give that evidence, because if we don't, you know, unfortunately, business leaders will make decisions. And, you know, I'm I'm always I'm always struck by the amount of transformations organizations have been through. And and I'm I'm certain that that happens is because they got it wrong the first time. And that's because they just made an intuitive. This is how we're going to do it. And they didn't look at what the evidence was telling them. That's interesting, isn't it? Because the use of the word intuition is an intuitive uh, decision is based on your experiences of before that have kind of gone into your subconscious kind of thing. But actually, yes. the world that we're in today has in living memory not experienced this. And then even if you go back, say, 100 years to pandemics that have gone past, in the, they didn't have the, the things like everyone working in the knowledge and service sectors and, and laptops and all these things. So actually, all you can do is look at the data that's current and make decisions from that rather than experience from before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, you know, I, I think that, that, that it's just a really exciting opportunity. And, and I, I really think that HR could really, really be a critical partner in moving this forward. It's not just about a return to work strategy. This is about a reset. Okay. Because it, you know, whatever strategy you had in January 2020, it, it's, it's out of date. OK, you need to revisit it. And every organization will be doing that. Um, and I think the key is that the HR has a real chance to help understand for the business what it needs to be designed. How do we design the organization that's going to work in the future? Maybe people can be trusted to work from home more than we've had it in the past, you know, because that's probably why we've not done it. You know, what what's the cost implications of having less property? less rental that costs are going out. Finance will be very happy. So I think all of these things are things that we should be bringing to the table from an HR perspective 
be, rather than just waiting to be told, well, look, you know, can we have a new policy for this and a new policy for that? I, I think we've got the opportunity to really shape, you know, what will happen in the future. And, that, and that's interesting, isn't it? Because it's almost like because we're going into a, a, a new kind of world, it's almost like the HR community will need to collaborate together about what insights that they're seeing from their data. Because I think not we won't all independently be able to, to find out all this information because there's so much change going on under some of which you've just mentioned that actually I think it's the HR community itself needs to collaborate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so all those types of stuff are covered in the beginning of the book, going back to your, your original. I was going to say, we, we covered question. the first bit. <laughs> we covered yeah, the first bit, didn't we? The other bits yeah. are much quicker. But um, the, the, the second bit then looks at how do you make a shift to being more data orientated? Um, and, and our view is that at the heart of an analytical mindset or a data orientated mindset is a commercial orientation. Um, and so we 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 spent quite a bit of time describing what that means to us, which is, you know, people who've got a financial insight into finance, numbers, details, equations, modeling. What's the external perspective? You know, you've got a view of what's happening outside. Do you know what your competitors are doing in the world of recruitment or whatever? Um, knowing what happens in your organization is the third thing. And then the fourth and probably the most important um, is we've called it organizational organizational savviness. In other words, knowing how to get things done. Um, and, and I think that's that is, um, you know, pretty key um, to, to ensure that people really, really are asking the right questions. They know how to do things. And we believe that if you've got that, that's at the heart of an analytical and data based approach. So that's what that's we cover in the second area. Yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because uh, it, I mean, some of those you would think, OK, knowing your numbers, uh, knowing what's going on outside the business, knowing what's going on inside the business. But it's I love that, that you called it organizational savviness. And, and I recently did a podcast which is available for those who are listening uh, <laughs> around uh, somebody did a Ph.D. around uh, the politics with a small P inside an organization and and actually how it was a beneficial thing as much as a kind of negative thing so that's that's kind of like an interesting point that you bring it up as well so that's that's showing that even in analytics it's um it's coming in so that's cool. So that's the first two. So, so let's carry on with the book because I keep on the, distracting the, yeah. you off no, the one no, no. side. <laughs> the, the, the third bit then really goes into a framework that, that we, that we have, um, that we have, um, which then looks at, I guess every book has a maturity model and we don't, we're not trying to advocate that's how you become more analytically orientated. But what we've tried to do is to describe in a simple way that this is what we have seen by talking to lots and lots of people on organizations, et cetera. So, you know, at the very core basic level is quite a tactical HR reporting method, which is a bit ad hoc. It could be all over the place. There could be some metrics. Um, at the next level is a more operational HR, which is where you've probably using an HR information system. You've probably coordinated different systems so that you're actually talking from one voice as opposed to having 12 different systems in 15 different countries or whatever it may be. And, and so that's the, that's the basis of reporting, which is really important. Um, and it, and it acts as the foundation for what we regard as 
level three of a strategic HR, which is where you'll start to do some one off projects, which could be looking at a particular business issue, a particular challenge. It may be data that you can collect from the reporting you know, system that you've got. It may be that actually there isn't that much significant data crunching to be done. Um, but it could also mean that you do need uh, possibly, you know, um, somebody from finance who's really good at doing all of this stuff, maybe bringing in a contractor for a day to help, you know, to make sense of the data and put it together. Um, but they'll certainly be looking at issues of cause, correlation. Why has this happened? What could that mean if we carry on with that? And then the fourth level is where you really are, you know, got a whole function that's really aligned and operating in a database way. And we took our example in the book is Experian, who, have, you know, everything that the, the HR function does is based around data. Um, all their decisions have changed in the last two or three years. They've got their own retention tool. They do their predictive analytics and they even have made HR a profit center because they actually sell their retention tool to other organizations if they want to use it. So okay. the whole so the, the whole third chunk of the book is going through all sorts of organizations from British Heart Foundation who are starting in the very back at the very bottom at the very you know, basics of getting their act together. How have they brought stakeholders together to understand what are the different needs, managing expectations? We've got Svartsky, we've got FIS, we've got um, a whole host of them, like uh, kill um We've got a couple of augmented analytics ones, which are about machine learning. So we've got, a, you know, some come from one from Dubai that's come from there. So we we try to embrace as much of this as we can to, again, make it simple. And, and I think, as I said before, we, we, we came on the podcast. Um, the book's got two pages of data in it. OK, there's 350 pages. There are two pages of data in a table and there's one equation. And the equation is the most simplest equation you could ever think of. So we've really tried to make sure that it's accessible, easy to understand, and that hopefully will make an individual feel that actually I can do that. That's what we're that's what we're hoping to to, to succeed with. So really, anyone can pick up the book, read the book, and they'll relate to some of the stories and examples in there and everything and maybe yeah. see where to go for the, the next yeah. bit on the journey. And we've also, I mean, I, I, as you know, Anthony, I've been around quite a while. So um, <laughs> the, there, um, there are even what we call learning scenarios in there, which is where, and I've not named names, but there are about, there's about 10 of them where I've, I've, being privy to conversations and I'm sort of sat there and thought have I really just heard that conversation and then I've relayed back the conversation that I then subsequently had with the the HRDs or whatever and all of them are trying to demonstrate that actually if you'd put a more data orientated approach to the questioning and the challenging actually you would have changed the decision. You'd have made things happen much quicker. You may even in certain instances have found a completely different solution. So I, we're, we're, and it's not and that's not to shout out bad practice, but it's there to hopefully let people look at it and possibly smile to themselves and think, hmm, do you know what? I, I've sort of done something not that far away from that. So, again, not not because we're trying to name and shame because we haven't named, but just trying to get people to understand is that if you make that shift in mindset 
there is a chance that you're going to really build that credibility that you can have with your business leaders. And also, I think, give you a bit more confidence about how you can deal with some of the the critiques that are always made of HR and, and the practices that, that we run. Cool. And, and I've got a couple of questions for you. Time's getting on on our podcast, yeah, sure. which always happens on our podcast. I should do four hour podcasts. I really should. <laughs> how, um, how boring on the analytics. <laughs> <laughs> so the first, the first question uh, of the two questions I have is what is your, um, and, and you can answer this in whichever way you want. What is your, either your favorite part of your book or the book you'd most, part of the book that you'd most like someone to read if there was a page or two pages or a bit of the book that you, you're most proud of that you think would most impact people the most proud of i i think it's probably chapter nine that would be my that's my favorite bit um i've worked with a guy called john penson from people insight in canada so again we've gone all over the world to to to, to collaborate and he shared with us um a pack that he did years ago for an hr business partner how to become more data savvy more data orientated and so we, we've reenacted that book with his permission and, and we've sort of added improvements and it, and it sort of focuses on four things, you know, the business focus of, of a practitioner to become more numerically orientated. What are the sort of consulting and behavioral changes you may need to make? What's the infrastructure you're going to need to make sure is put in place to support this? And, and all analytics work and reporting work to an extent is a change program and so therefore what are the things that you should be doing to embed this over a period of time so i think that's probably the bit that i'm the most proud of because a it, it it's not necessarily all my work it, it's john penson's work which is brilliant but but i i think it just showed that there's a lot of people out there who who feel the same way that i do is that maybe we, we've shot for the stars and we may have taken and scared a few people along the way. And, and we really don't want to shoot the messenger because the HR business partner, for example, or an HRD is the critical communicator in terms of scoping out a problem and sorting out how to implement it. Now, it's this bit in the middle that's around, you know, getting the data, making sense of it, coming up with insights. But the beginning and the end are, will always be the critical HR practitioners. So, that for me, I think, is the bit where it all comes to life a little bit and hopefully will give people some tips. They can even download toolkits from the from the website in Canada to support it and all sorts of things. So we're, we're just really trying to make this much more easy for people to try and have a go. OK, it's great that you're bringing in stuff from other practitioners as well. And I, I promised you two questions. So the last question of the podcast is, I know from experience of other people writing books that actually as the process of writing the book, they change themselves going through it. So I suppose my last question to you is, what have you learned from the experience of writing a book on an introduction to people analytics? Um, well, a Never, never write a book. I think um, <laughs> no, I, I'm, it's, it's a funny one because I, I'm a storyteller. I'm not a writer. Okay, so I'm I'm somebody who will tell stories um, in sessions and facilitation and all that sort of stuff. So I think what I've learned is that actually the power of the word can be very important at times, and sometimes you do need to anchor stuff down into some principles and some methods and some things that other people can see, you know, uh, and so 
maybe the the storyteller needs to possibly not just not make up the story, but, you know, create the story, but maybe just put it to print sometimes. Because I think actually by doing that, and that's obviously how HR creators become what it is, because it's sharing other people's content quite a lot. Um, maybe that maybe it, it's sort of shown that that's what I should be doing a little bit more of, because I don't think I'm going to write another book unless I'm, somebody else pays me a lot of money to do it, which they won't. Um, but I, I am starting to write uh, monthly articles for a, a U.S. website and things. So I will try and use the discipline of this in another format. Definitely. That's great. And, and Dave, it's been great talking to you today. And I'm, I'm so pleased that you've got the book into publication and everything. And I highly recommend it. Knowing you for a number of years, that actually um, your your experience and, as you say, your storytelling and turning things from a difficult concept into something that you can understand is actually, I think, one of your strengths. So I hope it really comes out in the book. So thank you very much for your time today. Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. And, and thanks, everyone, for listening. Well, that's it for now. Um, please do check out um, more of our other podcasts, blogs, and events at tapsolutions.com. But we'll be back soon with another Tap Talks HR podcast. Bye. <laughs>